welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Yes, I am. And I think we're going to just jump right in. We're going to do some click picture to start off with. This is a game where we grab a random image from a set of weird stock photos that we found online. Uh, we're going to paste it into our Discord to, so that each of us can see it. We'll describe it to you. And then we're going to make a game design from it. Weirdly enough. Cool. So let's do it. Three, two, one. Enter. Okay. We have a couple in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Having a very friendly knife fight. They seem very pleased by this knife fight they're having and the, the fact that she's about to murder him with a giant chef's knife. Yeah. Uh, so, what's immediately come to my mind is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And okay. They're two both assassins. Two, two assassins who just found out that, you know, they're actually married to each other and they're a bit of rivals, but they're also sort of having fun with it now. It's part of their sexy time. All right. Now, uh, the thing is, uh, from my point of view, the guy looks like a, a current day Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. You can't really see his face, but he's definitely sort of got that look to him with the beard and stuff. So, maybe this is like Harry Potter at age 37. Mm-hmm. And he's an, he's he's stopped being an aura. Now, he's an assassin. Yep. He's a wizard assassin. And his wife is also an assassin. Maybe she's a muggle assassin. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So, is this actually Harry Potter or is this Daniel Radcliffe? Because we all know that Daniel Radcliffe is actually a wizard. And an assassin. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, it's Daniel Radcliffe. He's he's a wizard, not in the, like, Harry Potter sense that he played, because that's, like, completely over the top and ridiculous and also written by a transphobe. But- this is the real world where, unbeknownst to everyone, Daniel Radcliffe himself is a wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually discovered it while filming Harry Potter, weirdly enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, he said Avada Kedavra to one of the catering staff. And, yeah, they just- Yeah. They turned- just, it, they, they managed they to pass a, it off. They turned a funny shade of green. Yeah, that was it. Because in real life, Avada Kedavra is just like- Abracadabra. A discoloration yeah. spell. <laughs> it's, it's just a discoloration spell. Yeah. You know, no, nobody actually knows the killing curse, except for except for Harry. I mean, except for Daniel. Yeah, you're a wizard, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question is: Is Daniel Radcliffe currently married? Married. I don't think he is. Is he? Uh, he oh, he is in a relationship at least. Yes, with Aaron. Aaron. Aaron Dark. So, it turns out that Eren is an awesome assassin, like a muggle assassin. Mm-hmm. He is a, um, he's a wizard assassin. And they find out that, you know, they're going after the same- They're in the same business, but they didn't realise it. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, they've- <laughs> <laughs> So, for however long, 10 years, let's say, they've been together, both each going off- Killing people on their so-called business trips, mm-hmm. and then we don't have to we don't have to follow the the plot. But in Mister and Mrs Smith, did they get each other as a target, or they got the same target or something? They got the same target, or- and that's where they sort of realised that 
you know, yeah, okay. Something happened and that's why they end up sort of fighting against each other when they realize that they're both yeah. assassins. Yeah, okay. So, I like that. I like following a similar arc. They get the same target and- Because obviously they only get paid if they're the ones who, who have- If pr- they're the ones who take them out. Yeah, proof of the kill or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, I thought it was shared money. What does it matter who takes it out? Yeah. And then the third part of the act, uh, like the third act, is them, you know, combining their muggle and wizard forces together. Yeah. And becoming, like, the unstoppable, like, assassin team. Killing all the turfs. Against, like, maybe their employers or something um, who they discover are, you know, evil. All right. Let's- I I like this a lot. I feel like we're kind of- skirting around the edges of of what the actual story is so maybe mm-hmm. let's sort of take it take a bit of a deeper dive yep daniel radcliffe has been married to this woman let's just let's his his longtime girlfriend or they've been together his longtime girlfriend erin dark which is a cool fucking wizard name anyway even though she's a muggle in this mm-hmm. reality um well and in re- reality reality too presumably they've been together for 10 years they've been yeah they're, they're both assassins daniel radcliffe is magical so, what's this target? What's this target that they get? You know, one week they're like, oh, yeah, I've got, I've, you know, I've got to be away uh, from July 17th to the uh, 19th. There's a, you know, work business trip for my paperclip company. I've got to go to ClipCon <laughs> and <laughs> I'll be back. And Daniel, of course, on the 19th. ClipCon is, is, you know, 100%, 100% real. Oh, I was thinking that was his job, but yeah, either way. No, because I'm, think- okay. I'm thinking that he, he does bathrobes. Oh, he's his bathrobes? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense for- For a wizard for to Daniel think about Radcliffe. robes. yep. <laughs> yeah, okay, because then we get to- Then later on he gets to do magic. And- I like the idea that the whole game- Oh, also, this is a game. We haven't really talked about gameplay. Um, that the whole time- None of the wizardy, like, tropes apply to him. Like, this is the real world. This is real magic. He doesn't have a fucking wand. He doesn't have a robe. He doesn't have a pointy hat. But then at some point, like, he ends up in a bathrobe with, like, a traffic cone on his head. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, waving, I don't know, a (laughs) paperclip. And all of a sudden looks like an actual wizard. Okay, so the gameplay is mm-hmm. I don't know, I reckon this could be a this could be fun as as like a a um co op multiplayer game where where okay. you sort of you know, each person plays one of one of the um one of the couple. Yeah. And like each each of the things like it just so happens that, you know, Harry decides to to go visit his wife at at ClipCon or whatever it is, yeah. and you know is is right where you know he expects her to be, yet she's off doing like a Hitman Two sort of thing on her on her lunch break. Okay, how does the multiplayer? Like, I'm trying to figure out how the multiplayer works. Then, well, there's there's certain things that in like I'm I'm picturing it as. as you can either have it as couch co-op and you, you're sort of doing almost a, um, oh, what was that game? A, a way out where it had, 
you know, okay. it, you continually yeah. saw what the other person was doing. Uh, so it's, it's all about you've got a couple of things in your, in your list that you've got to get done. And one of those things right. is finding out that, you know, the other is, is actually part of this world sort of thing. Okay. I could see, yeah, it could be interesting in that a way out kind of two player thing where, yeah, sometimes you mo- it's mostly one person controlling and the other person's just sort of got like side things to do that they can control or something or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, or they're just walking while the other person's in a conversation. So that's really what you're paying attention to. And then, because then, yeah, it does give the opportunity that like once after this mission's done, okay, now you're, like, well, there's a section where you're fighting each other, and then there's a section where you're working together. Yeah. And then it becomes more of a traditional sort of um, co-op, you know, uh, shoot em up sort of thing. No, not shoot em up necessarily, but, like, action game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bullet hell. <laughs> yeah. A third-person bullet hell. <laughs> it just turns into just all these spells blasting slowly towards you as you have to, like, navigate through them. Um, wh- what what I can imagine is is you almost get, like, a, a wanted sort of um, thing where, you know, Harry can now curve his wife's bullets. So, oh, yeah, I like the idea of being able to sort of have that level of co-op. Yeah, she's using a gun and he's basically, like, manipulating them to go where they need to go. Yo, you could just imagine some of the crazy stuff that you could do towards the end, like in, in the Hitman 2 levels sort of thing, or the Hitman levels, mm. where mm. they're now going out on contracts. And oh, it would be really interesting to have a multiplayer Hitman like that. Maybe that should just done. be the whole game. Yeah. Like, maybe the whole thing should just be Daniel Radcliffe, the wizard, and his muggle assassin wife going on fucking awesome contracts where they're, where they're together. Yeah, the, pro- the prologue is- style. The prologue is literally them finding out, you know, they're both trying to attack the same sort of- per- the same person. Like, they're both, you know, sort of marking off different things. Yeah, that's almost just the intro is, like- it's still in a level where you each play one thing, but it's like it, it's that just that level is the whole meet section you. of they find out. Oh, you think that's where they meet? I, I reckon that could that could be a pretty cool way. So you know they, they've always sort of had this thing. So this picture, the reason why she's so happy and she's attacking him with a knife is because this is just foreplay for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he can instantly, like, magically heal himself if she stabs him, so it's fine. They're into it. Mm-hmm. It's consensual. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, that's a bit of a- that's a bit of a pivot uh, in, in that way, though, then. But, yes, I like that idea that the first- the intro level, it's this two-player Hitman-esque game um, that basically ends in them killing the same targets or, or, or learning about each other, meeting each other. Yep. And then you sort of get, like, a montage of them falling in love or something. And then it's, like, you know, three years later and they're getting their next mission to where they work together. Now they're a team. Yeah, and basically you've you've got certain certain things that the wizard can do, certain things that the, um, that the muggle assassin can do, a la Hitman. Yeah. And there's multiple different ways of actually doing this sort of thing. Like, you got to kind of work together to actually pull off the plan. So, what- to make this interesting- yeah, definitely. What are 
what are Daniel's uh, limitations? Because you don't want him being all powerful as a wizard, obviously. I think part of it is that maybe he's more like if he's doing spells, it's it's going to attract attention. Yep. Like spells are spells are loud or like um, you know make lots of light or whatever. What what, what I kind of like is. Spells can only affect the person that hears them, so he can he can be very quiet doing it to himself. So he can make himself look like something else quite easily. But if he needs to, you know, put someone else under a spell, then he has to do it loud enough for them to actually hear. That's interesting. Yeah, I was more also thinking like, yes, he can make himself or his wife look like someone else, but you can't just do it in the middle of a crowd because it it requires like. You know, it, she she glows like the fucking sun for <laughs> thirteen for 10 seconds. seconds. <laughs> yeah, so you have to like find a shed to to do it in, or like do it out of view, or yeah, something like that, so that it's it's a bit more limited um, than just being able to instantly become someone else in the middle of you know yep. a dinner party or something. Um, given that they are married and they're trying for kids, there are certain parts of the level in, in which if you happen to be able to sneak into the bathroom or sneak into a closet, <laughs> yeah, you have like, you know, a mini game of saying it. <laughs> she goes, I'm ovulating quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I like that. Actually, that's kind of cute because <laughs> it gives, it gives it that, that. Mr. and Mrs. Smith-ish vibe yeah. of, oh, we're on this serious fucking, like, assassin assassination mission, but we're going to fuck in the bathroom. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm just imagining just all, all the different sort of scenarios that you could have. Like, she's out on, out on like, a final assignment when she finds out she's, she's pregnant. Then she's and, pregnant. Like- uh, The doctor calls her, basically, just as- Yeah. Just as she's, like- Firing off her last bullet. <laughs> yeah, she's like got the the mark tied up and the gun against his head, and the fucking phone rings. And as she hangs up, she like fires her silence pistol for the final time. Yeah, yeah. There's there's certainly a lot of cool little things that you can do, but I think we should move on. Yes. All right, so we're going to move on to click pitch. Trevor, do you want to explain this to our audience? Click pitch is a game where we each have a random phrase generator. Cause that's what I've chosen. <laughs> um, so it's ramped up click pitch. We each have an adjective and a noun that will refresh on the count of three, two, one. We click a refresh button. We get those words. We throw them at each other. We come up with a game design, much like we do with click picture. And then we throw it away and do it all over again. Hells yeah. Let's do it. Three, two, one. Clickety boo. Unexpected updating. <laughs> Snoring monorail. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> this is about a monorail system mm-hmm. that runs Windows. <laughs> Don't they all? They all, they all run on Millennium Edition, at- from what I understood. Yeah, probably. Um, And at a key moment, Windows decides it needs to do an update. Yeah. And the system goes down. And when it comes back up, like, the monorails are- I don't know. Something around the monorail system updating. Um, I guess 
are you like the monorail sort of traffic controller or something? Are you up in a booth when this happens or are you driving the monorail? Like, what's the deal? I'm, I'm thinking this is like speed three on a monorail that basically update happened right as they were about to stop into a station. And because it it happened, basically, the accelerator is still on. It hasn't, yeah. hasn't actually started stopping. And they're basically going around the city continuously. <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay, that's good because I love the idea <laughs> that when you're trying to figure out when you're going to be able to put the brakes in, you're waiting for this fucking update to get to 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's the uh, the whole course of the game is just this fucking windows update and it goes you know and it gets to 87 percent, and then for some reason drops back down to 63 like <laughs> and it says estimated time remaining <laughs> three minutes seven years four minutes 23 minutes seven years three minutes <laughs> minus two minutes um so I love the idea that you've got a USB key that um, okay. you need to get onto this onto this train. Oh, okay. So you're not onto this on it initially. Yeah, yeah. You're basically you're the Keanu Reeves of of the thing. You've got to get onto this. I think instead of being a cop because we're against cops yeah. at the moment, you're an engineer who's yep yep who's um like favorite pastime is doing parkour. So you <laughs> yeah so. Sure. You can do parkour, but you're also an engineer. Your main thing is that you've you've done work on this update. The reason why it failed is because the update wasn't supposed to happen until the train had stopped. But the problem was okay. that the monorail driver, he was sort of asleep at the wheel and didn't hit the brake in in time, and therefore no. It didn't- what he didn't no. What he didn't do is he didn't hit the snooze for ten minutes button oh, yeah. on the update. <laughs> 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 okay, so I, I like the idea that basically it's going around this this loop continuously. People are people are you know getting sick because it's going so fast. It's gradually accelerating. You as a character, you know, you're nothing can go fast enough to get on. So you've got to sort of you know get yourself somewhat up to speed as it's as it's coming, so you can jump off and jump onto the train and. And, you know, sort of... Well, I like... Yeah, so I think... I'm just trying to think of sort of the arc of the whole thing. And because I'm... Yeah, I'm picturing this as sort of a, you know, Uncharted-esque third person sort of thing. Yep. But with a lot of, like, moving... Once you're on the monorail, you're, like, moving up and down, you know, b- between the carriages to, like, talk to the driver, to talk to other... You know, maybe there's someone else on the train who, um, who who's got some idea or maybe there's like a family with kids and you like check in on them. Like there's just different things that you're sort of doing moving up and down um, the, the, the carriages. Yep. So that you're kind of getting a sense of who's where on the, on the monorail from like, you know, maybe, maybe four, five carriages or something. And then when you're on there, you realize that this update was actually purposefully set to go at the wrong time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You start discovering the nefarious plans behind it. Yeah. But I'm thinking what's happening is that, like, this is, you know, this is a one-of-a-kind monorail. It's it's actually- Or maybe it's not a, actually a monorail. It's, like, um, one of the, like- Maglev. Um, maglev, yeah. And so, it's actually speeding up. Yeah. Like, it's not just that it is 
can't be stopped. It's speeding up. And if it gets to a certain speed, so it is like the opposite of speed. If it gets to a certain speed, it's going to like, it's not going to be able to make a certain corner or something. It's just going to go flying off a cliff and kill everyone. Ooh, um, and I, and I love going through, when you're going through the train, basically, um, whoever's in, in charge of this, this monorail train, whatever, yep. um, they've actually put like the speedo actually on all the monitors all the way through this yes. thing so that you yeah. see that there's like a red line that it- well i think it's like cuz um in um shanghai i had a layover in shanghai once and they've got a like you know effectively bullet train kind of thing mm-hmm. they have they have the speed because like that's one of the selling points of it on the like you know little displays at the end of each carriage they have the speed that you're going and it gets up to whatever 450 fucking kilometers an hour so, yeah, I think it's just like that. I think you see the speed. And so, yes, as you're going through the train, back through the carriages or whatever, you've got that in your, you know, in your, in your sight at all time as that sort of slowly climbing. And I think part of it then is there are, there are things you have to do to, to temporarily slow the train down. Yeah. Like a bit. So that, because basically you're, you're, you don't want the train to reach that certain speed before the update reaches 100%. Yeah. So, what I'm thinking is if you got everyone on the train into the back carriage, you've actually got too much weight in that back carriage and it sort of sags down onto the rail. Yep. And and may actually, you know, cause some friction to, to slow it down slightly. But the problem yeah. is it, yeah. it starts, like, setting sparks out the back and, like- Launches fr- yeah, well, it's going to actually destroy. I think, and I think, yeah, Degrade I, I the like track. that idea. I think it's basically these set pieces where, you know, I think it's a fairly linear game oh, realistically. Yeah. I don't know if you're. I'm trying to think what the the main actual gameplay is then, rather other than just walking back through the train and talking to people. Like, are you actually? Is it puzzle solving or is it just? Is it quick time event kind of stuff? Is it? Uh, is there combat? Like, I don't know. I kind of like the um, idea that there's there's. You know, a bit of parkour that when you first get in, get onto the train, you know, you got to sort of sort yeah. of parkour your way onto the train. You realise that you don't have everything that you need, so you've got to get off the train and <laughs> and get back on. And, and get back on. Yep. And there's just a few times that that this sort of happens that you seem to be the only one who can actually somewhat make it on because anyone yep. else who's tried has basically fallen. <laughs> Oh, yeah. in, be- yeah, yeah, in between yeah. the train and like get got crushed underneath the um underneath yeah, the maglev. They're okay. They had a harness on or something. <laughs> like they had some. They managed to get safe. Um, <laughs> I know because I don't think you've I don't this. think you've got all these people. Well, maybe the first person to because I'm just saying I'm just thinking like you don't want all these people to have like literally died or been injured just trying to get on this fucking train. <laughs> um, I do think you'd lose some people on the train itself. Like maybe that, you know, when you're trying to slow the train down by getting it for into the back and like have, you have them all jump and, and come down at the same time to like push it down a bit and, and create some friction to just briefly. Um, but then like, you know, the third or fourth time you do it, I don't know, like a bit of the train breaks off or something and someone gets sucked out. And then you have to like shut off that last carriage and you can't do that again kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just wondering who the who the nefarious sort of um, entity is. Like, uh, I mean, it's the rail lobby, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who wouldn't want who wouldn't want a super high tech. Is it Elon Musk? He's the bad guy because he wanted his fucking hyperloop to be the thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, which is maglev and stuff anyway, but like, he's like, no, it must be in tunnels. It can't be raised above the city. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants to show that it's too dangerous. And he also, at the same time, like, I love the idea that you get to go down into the tunnels and there's a fully working maglev down there. Oh, like that's one of the solutions. Like one of- <laughs> It's, it's yes, actually the, already like been the built. Third time, the third time you have to get back on the train. Like there's some other reason that you have to get off and get back on. But now it's going so fast. Your other methods, you can't get on it. You have to fire up this Hyperloop. And like in the split second where like the Hyperloop station is open and it happens to be close enough to the monorail and they're going to be passing at the same time, you have to like jump between them when they're going at a similar (laughs) velocity or something. (laughs) (laughs) I I could just imagine that this is is the sort of thing that um, Elon Musk really, really doesn't trust in anyone else. So he just goes and builds something without- Without anyone's permission at all. <laughs> like- oh, totally. Well, when he pays people to build it because yeah, you know he doesn't build it himself. <laughs> he doesn't build anything himself. Uh, yeah, no, I do like the idea of it being an Elon Musk type, just this real asshole who's going to sabotage the the raised maglev monorail so his own tunnel based monorail maglev. I mean, will uh, will succeed. Yeah, yeah, and it all comes down to. Basically, a really, really shitty driver that he had installed in in the Windows Millennium operating system that basically drops out the Wi-Fi every now and again. And that's the reason why it sort of died. It's also like- why the- it's what- Well, and that's actually- That's a good- <laughs> Well, I like the idea that, like- Oh, the faster it goes- Windows is trying to- Well, Windows is trying to do its update, right? But if it can't get internet, it can't- So, like, when you're in a certain next section of the tunnel, you can't get service, so it doesn't go up during that time. But you can also use that as a reason to, like- Because I'm sort of thinking, if if we're doing any sort of, like, adventure gamer-ish puzzles or, like, you have to solve something to figure out what to do next, you can't have the update on an actual timer, right? No. Because you pr- you want you want it to go up for um, plot reasons as opposed to actual time based reasons. So yeah, you can just make up reasons why <laughs> why it only goes up sporadically. I, I, I just I'm just imagining that it's going so fast that it's switching between all the different Wi-Fi points so quickly that it can't actually <laughs> keep the keep the oh, connection. Well, maybe that's one of the things. That's one of the puzzles. You have to yeah, you have to like get some sort of alternative internet on board because it's yeah it's trying to use the cellular internet and it's just handshaking all the different cell towers constantly yeah it's going <laughs> not actually so getting anything down that by the time it's shake uh, done a handshake there's now a new yeah. cell tower that's closer yeah it's out of ra- yeah exactly yeah i like that <laughs> I like that a lot you end up having to like I don't know. Build a cell tower up, like, on top of it. <laughs> or, like, hook up to a satellite. Like, build a satellite dish and, like, program it to constantly point, be pointing at the right satellite. Yep. Or you know, like, some some ridiculous thing. And even then, it's like, okay, well, but when we're going through the tunnel, like, it's not going to work. And, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm I, surprised that, you know, if you if you actually built a cell tower on top of the, um, on top of the um, train itself, like, to a satellite, you know, right. where, where it yeah. is doesn't really matter too much. Like it's, it's yeah. That's effect. Okay, yeah. That's effectively the solution. It's it's like okay. Now the onboard system is always going to connect to this makeshift cell tower that we've built 
literally attached yeah, to out of aluminum the train. foil, um, paper clips, and bathrobes. Because <laughs> it turns out that <laughs> yeah. And then fucking wizard Ra- wizard Radcliffe comes and saves the day anyway, and says three, two, one, click. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Algebraic purge. Oh, <laughs> joined mechanism. Ooh. So, have you seen the movie The Purge? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever watched a whole movie of The Purge, but I very much know the premise. Yes. yes. So, this is a, a very similar thing in which it's an algebraic purge. Uh, basically, algebra got so, so- Difficult with calculus and all this sort of stuff that they mm-hmm. they decided to purge a whole heap of the equations that no one uses anymore. Oh, so it's literally purging segments of mathematics. Yes. Okay, I was thinking that that like the purge got so out of control that they created some rules around who's allowed to purge, where you have to. It's like you, you know you have to figure out algebra problems to, to <laughs> determine if you're a, a purge bringer or not. <laughs> We didn't need to square you. You you don't have a curve. Therefore, you're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> is this uh, a world where, again, like, we're however many years into the purge, it has gotten to the point where, like, we can't fucking do this area. Okay, it's not- it's no longer sustainable, but it's still useful in a certain thing. So, instead of the yearly purge- it's now like six times a year. Anyone with a certain profession gets to purge, <laughs> and <laughs> this December it's math teachers. Yep, I like that. And so you get different. Like every purge is a little bit different then too, right? Because particular professions will have different sets of skills that they put. I mean, purging that, that time that the podiatrists got up and and did their purge. Oh my god, it was it gory. Yeah, we- well, that was weirdly just- sexual. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're just going around, fucking stealing socks, turning them into I don't know tourniquets. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing: like different different professions. Then, and I don't want to paint professions too generally with a brush, but. Certain professions are certainly more likely to be murderous in a purge versus other aspects. Because it's just like there's no laws, right? Yeah. Or is it specifically murder? Um, it's just there's no law. There's no laws for, for like a- uh, For like- For 24, 24 hours. hours. But quite often it, it ends up being that murder is like one of the one of the main things that happens during the purge. Let's, let's just call it that um, basically certain crimes are on the table and murder is one of them. Yeah. Now, do math teachers want to murder anyone? What is there? Like, if all math teachers all of a sudden can break the law with no uh, repercussions, mm-hmm. are they going to murder people? Yeah. Or are they going to do other shit? They don't like uh, English teachers. They they really <laughs> don't. Um, <laughs> and, okay. and, and, the, and the students in the class who make fun of them, like- <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing this this Hey Timmy, what's X minus three times two? <laughs> I don't know. Solve for Y 
<laughs> I'm now picturing, um, you know, he comes comes up to the kid and he goes, "Why, why, Mrs. Johnson, why are you shooting me?" She goes, "I told you to solve for why." Bang! <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. But why? Well, that's your job. It's your job to solve for why. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I taught you to- didn't I teach you to solve for why? You mustn't have been paying attention. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we can go from there. No. Solve for why. Let's let's go again. Solve for why. Yeah. Three, two, one. Title of the episode. Solve. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Go. Sacred Megabytes. Hot. Right. Hot right? Yeah. R-I-G-H-T. Is that like the alt right, but (laughs) the hot right? (laughs) Um, No, let's not not go there on this one. Um, Let's not make it political. Yeah, I mean, everything's political to a degree, but yes, let's not tie it into current day politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sacred Megabyte I like because I, I, I like the idea of exploring some sort of digital cult or digital religion or something. So, instead of it being hot right as in right or left, um, yeah. how about as hot right as in you're writing to, you know, the hard drive or whatever. So, Oh, like a- Okay, yeah. Like a hot right. Yeah. yeah. Like some sort of move that you- Where you write to the drive, you yeah. know, while it's just plugged into a- I don't know. <laughs> Well, as you said, sacred me- megabyte. I'm I'm seeing this as as like a a digital a digital version of of like the Messiah sort of thing. Like, there's an AI program out there. Yeah, yeah. That actually proves right, I like the existence. The, I, of- I like this being. There's probably a term for this already, but can we coin a term for the aesthetic of like '90s PC culture? Can we coin a term from? Like, because, you know, you got, like, steampunk and yep. cyberpunk. What is it when it's, like, based around fucking three and a half inch floppy disks and CRT monitors? Oh, it's got to be the hot right, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I want a punk. I want a punk out of it. Okay. What do you call it? Um, Like, can it be, like, uh, oh, shit. What's the- the one I thought of was was Gauss Gauss punk. You know, you used to have to dig out those monitors. <laughs> Gauss punk, uh, <laughs> cathode punk, cathode ray. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I like the idea of it being in that sort of aesthetic. Yeah, CRT, um, token ring networks. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, th- this sacred megabyte that was written contains one of the most unusual sort of things within within it. Yep. One of the bits somehow got set to two. <laughs> I was fucking going to say that. You stole that out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like a superposition of an electron or something. Yeah. Basically, it's early quantum computing. Yeah. But- in 90s technology. And ac- accidentally, yeah. It's both, you know, true and false at the same time, therefore two. 
Yeah. Okay. So I like the idea then that this this isn't set in the nineties. This is still set in like twenty seventy seven or something. Yeah. Well, wait. That's the exact number for Cyberpunk, isn't it? Anyway, whatever. It's set in the in the late twenty uh, first century, but because twenty sixty nine. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because of this sacred megabyte, that's sort of that's the reason that a lot of this tech is stuck around. But surprisingly, it's actually set in April of 2069, so it's 42069. <laughs> yeah, this whole game takes part on 20th of April, 2069. Oh, I see. Yeah. Anyway, 42069. You get an extra 20 in there. <laughs> So, what does this sacred megabyte do? Like, what does it does it give benefits? Like, does does anything that writes this hard drive like the processing happens super quick or something? Like, is this is this? I don't think that it really matters because it, it's a it's a MacGuffin of like this is this is the thing that basically the um, the AI is after, and you're you're trying to get it to like the res- resistance sort of thing. Okay, I was just—I I guess I was trying to figure out, like, if, if this drove the whole current sort of cyber culture, tech culture. No, I think this is something that's just been found, and oh, okay, this is being predicted by the AI back in like 2023 that one day there would be a sacred, a sacred program that yeah would would change the world and eradicate all all life on the planet or something like that. All right. Okay. So, we're just saying just arbitrarily then that this is set in 2069, but technology basically hasn't progressed past 90s tech. Yeah. Although there is AI. So- That's fine. Yeah. Because we can fluff around that. Yeah. yeah. I think- Just because the AI was written in QBASIC doesn't mean that it is, it's any less- <laughs> 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 yes, I love that. I love that. It's got that like blue background, the, the standard blue background. Occasionally, it switches into fucking banana. Was it the banana game <laughs> that came with Q Basic? Gorillas. Yes, gorillas. <laughs> you can choose whether you want eighty character mode or whether you want <laughs> like or n- nibbles. Button. Was it nibbles? Was that the snake game? I think so. I <laughs> but it's basically that yep. really horrible. <laughs> ASCII graphics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, all right. All right. So, we that's enough world building. What's yep. the fucking game? Who do you play? You play ju- just the-, the every- I love the idea that there's VR, but it's those fucking old 90s VR as well. <laughs> <laughs> like the giant headsets with like the neon color strip <laughs> on the front. Where, where you actually need like supports to keep- Keep your neck from yeah, breaking. Yeah, like keep it on. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like a fucking virtual boy as well. <laughs> virtual boy is big in this world. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of, vir- of virtual gaming. <laughs> but it's now got four <laughs> colours. <laughs> they added some colours. <laughs> they Not only do we have the R, we've got the G and the B. <laughs> We have a G and B. <laughs> VRGB. VRGB, yes. Um, 
<laughs> That's just really good. We've added the G and the B to VR. <laughs> and no, it's not just a Game Boy. It's VR, GB, v- <laughs> virtual red, green, blue. <laughs> virtual reality Game Boy, virtual RGB, VRGB. It all ties in. That's great. Yep. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I- I'm imagining it's just this, it's just this, like, young kid, Trent Miller. Okay. Where did that name come from? I don't know. It's just in my head. <laughs> okay. Cool. It, it, it seems like an everyday sort of character. Yeah. Trent Miller. Yep. Love it. So, Trent Miller, 16, um, computer genius, you know, has been has been writing, like, QBasic code all day long. Uh, it's a point-and-click <laughs> adventure game because he's the one who, who actually created this code accidentally when his coke spilled on his um oh yeah on his keyboard bringing some fucking electric dreams oh and 100 percent, this is new 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 weird science (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) they've just branded it so many times (laughs) um you can actually like changes between clear and coke colored in the glass because it's it's actually like yeah it's like new new old old crystal new old coke <laughs> classic classic <laughs> no sugar or as as they call it for short bloke coke <laughs> bloke coke yeah they're still doing fucking weird gendered marketing to make yep. men do anything yeah. Okay, so okay. so he's accidentally created this program. He's connected to the internet via his, you know, um, fifty six K modem. No, one hundred and twenty eight K modem. <laughs> oh, they've gone for yeah. Okay, great. Sounds good. <laughs> they doubled it in a bit. <laughs> yeah, but as he's sending the file to like his his science teacher, his mum jumps on the phone, and his internet connection <laughs> goes down. Yes, perfect. I love that that's what causes the problem. Yeah. Yes. So, he's sending his program over the line, and then he gets a fucking no carrier. Yeah, it, it, gets, it basically gets detected via this this AI program that, that is, you know, can, can pass the email or whatever, and, and basically Trent is now on the run. And okay. Uh, numerous yeah. numerous wait, oh, references. Oh, so, wait, did this, this AI already existed, or did this create the AI? I th- uh, no, the AI existed because it existed in 2023 when it when it predicted that there would be a program oh, and it would destroy all civilization. Right. Someone created like a fucking Markov generator or whatever, a Markov string thing mm-hmm. in 2023 that spat in out a prophecy. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That spat out a prophecy saying, you know, yeah, in 50 years there will be a new a new bit born. Yeah, and that bit will eradicate all of humanity and AI will live supreme. Blah, blah, blah. Play again, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it just doesn't do a read key. You have to actually press enter afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> does a full read line because the, the person that programmed it really sucked. <laughs> Definitely. I can't believe you remember that little fucking snippet of... Of Q basic law. Um, because guess who's writing a console program at the moment and is using read line to, to pause? 
<laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so point-and-click adventure. Yep. I like that. Uh, definitely in that 90s style of point-and-click adventure as well. Oh, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, go, yeah, yeah. you know, um, max, it's, it's- max- 320 by 400 or 200 or something resolution. Yeah, it, it's a cross between a Sierra and a and a LucasArts sort of game in the fact that you've got beautifully printed, uh, beautifully crafted backgrounds, yep. but you've got the verb style of, of LucasArts. Of LucasArts. And you've got the yep. character style of LucasArts as well. So, it's, it's sort of like that beautiful larger character uh, with a little bit more detail. Yep. That LucasArts often had. Yep. But the beautifully rendered, um, oh, beautifully yeah, like painted almost hand painted looking, yep. yeah, that yep. Sierra did. Gotcha. Sounds good. Mixing the two. Um, well, and of course, in 2069, those are still the top two gaming companies. Oh yeah. Oh well, no, maybe, maybe to, maybe to, to go <laughs> along with this, they've actually merged into a super gaming conglomerate called Sikasera. <laughs> Don't throw your fucking- <laughs> That's how I came up with and- it, though. Oh, is it? Yes, it's Sierra and LucasArts put together. <laughs> I didn't realise that. For those playing along at home, that's Trevor's handle. And I just now found the origin story. So, uh, but origin isn't- origin did go defunct. <laughs> it, it, I mean, basically, EA couldn't, couldn't make any good- um, couldn't make any good point and click, uh, adventures. Point and click adventure games because yeah. they kept on trying to put loot boxes in them and they just didn't make sense. Yeah. 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 Then we have to have at least one loot box in our game though. Oh yeah. But you know what that loot box is? It's the no. inventory. <laughs> so every the time inventory you is the he inventory. just calls they just call it the loot box. <laughs> they call it yep. loot box. It's got your your typical inventory stuff in it in the fact that when you open it, it's got the same stuff in it that you expect it to have in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change every time you open it. No, no. I think, it's, I think it's a one-time <laughs> gag for people who start playing the game and it pops up with the loot box thing and they're like, oh, what the fuck? Would you like to open the loot box? Adventure game? Oh, you've got yeah. a new loot box in your inventory. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you yeah, open it up as like, oh, loot box is my inventory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What <laughs> um, does it say? You've got more inventory in your loot box. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. We're not actually writing the game, so we don't have to come up with the exact phrasing. But yes. Um, so, Trent Miller. That's not a fucking perfect 90s name. I know. The hell? How did you do that? Uh, Trent Miller, he, he. So, how does he. Does he realize this has happened? Like, what's the sort of circumstances around it then? Um, is is it that it's corrupted on the it's corrupted on the far end, right? Like whoever he's sending it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have the full program. The, basically, the AI has read his email in which he says, um, "Professor, can you look at this? Um, like, there's a weird bit on on this particular line. I don't know how it's happened, but it's got a superposition of both true and false at the same time. You know, it goes into a little bit of explanation there. Sends the, yeah. sends the code, but it's only part of the way there." Basically, it's missing. Oh, see, I was thinking that the the whole superposition thing was caused by the fact that his mum picked up the phone. No, no, no. It was caused by, it was caused it. by the um, the new old old classic crystal. Oh, old, the coat. Okay, new coat gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Port on the port on his um, like the Spilled, IBM AT yep. keyboard. Yep. 
Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Doesn't have quite and now no longer click click clacks the same way that it used to. No, no. There, he should have used cherry coke for those for those cherry switches. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Okay, everyone um, knows that. So, professor, is he good or bad? Mm. Is the professor actually secretly working for the AI? Oh, I kind of like the idea that. That the past 50 years, this AI has been sort of creating this underground society who are who are searching for this prophecy and searching for this thing. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And they've also, the AI is the one that created the resistance as well. Oh, to set them against each other? Basically, so no matter which- if, if the person trusted the government, they got it. If the person didn't trust the government- and went to the resistance, they got it. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Well, that's got to be a big twist in the third act then. Oh, 100%. And when you find out that- when, Yeah, when like you, you find finally out get the hard drive back and get it to your leader and then realise that they're- Like, find out that they're just going to take it to the same place that your professor was going to take it, basically. It, it opens up and you see that same QBasic screen. And- Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you know that it's, it's like, totally fucked because it's still using that same stupid code- of the uh, oh. of, of having to hit enter. You recognize of having what, sorry? Of having to hit oh. enter after after putting in a Y and it <laughs> Yeah, you recognize then. you recognize the shoddy coding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what tips you off. I love that. Uh. <laughs> I don't know why no one's actually done that in, in like a story that both the resistance and the um and the government are actually owned by the oh, same. Oh, I'm sure it's been done. It's yeah. got to have been done. There's no way we came up with that plot point. But yeah, no, it's a good one. I like that. Yeah, something that we haven't come up with before. I love this. I love this uh, game idea, um, and this whole story you, and the aesthetic and and the fact that you're learning some new things. <laughs> the real world. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knew that stuff about QBasic and Readline? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think. Uh, 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 and I mean, I guess the the climax is just what does he destroy it? Maybe or does he? He just take breaks it the disc in to- half. That's all he does. <laughs> it's on floppy disk. <laughs> it just runs a magnet over it. <laughs> but then I like. But then he's got to back up. Like that's your like sequel. Let's see your little like end kicker thing is. Yeah, he opens, <laughs> oh. up, opens up his backpack and <laughs> no, he's got. No. What else? <laughs> What has to happen is that the resistance finally gets hold of it and there's a fucking corrupt sector on it. <laughs> <laughs> they can't read the floppy disk. <laughs> see you, Sierra. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, hang on. I'll just go back and go again. Oh, God. We're just- All right. This has literally been like 20 minutes of- I mean, this is this is uh, joking about this is our favorite subject, which is the '90s and us being kids. <laughs> this is the thing. This is this is our time. This is our you know golden era. This is our All goodies. Right. <laughs> We're going to do one more click picture to to cap off the episode. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So Trevor, paste me that sweet sweet stock image. Uh. Mm, uh okay. Um. It. If you haven't seen all of it there, Ben, there's also, like, a rather colourful parrot. (laughs) No, no, I I saw the parrot. 
I saw the parrot. So, this is sort of bringing us back to our first game. We've got yeah. what looks to be a wizard character. With kind of. White face. Well, or like a white mask. It's almost like- A masquerade mask not- or, or a yeah. Michael Myers-esque mask. Yeah, it's more like a Michael Myers-esque mask. I was going to say kind of Guy Fawkes, but it doesn't have that same shape to it. It's no. more of the Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, wearing a black witch's hat on his head. Well, um, kind of, yeah. Like, but the type of hat you'd make out of, like, just a cone of paper. Yeah. Or cardboard. Yeah. With a basic- What looks to be, like, a, a black velour sort of wizard robe. Yep. And black and sneakers. Uh, black yep. sneakers in a desert, leaning mm-hmm. up against a toilet. Yep. And out of the toilet, there is a dead tree Yep. with a parrot. Mm-hmm. So, Will Smith is back. Will Smith is back as the parrot, definitely. Yeah. Yep. This is a continuation of- this, Well, this is emerging. Week. This is emerging of our two properties. Yeah. The fish- Fish, um, fish on his Europe vacation and Daniel Radcliffe. Fish called Hitch. Who's, yep. Who is now a Death Eater, it looks like. Well, I think, he, um, the wizard went to a fancy dress party as a Death as Eater. As a Death Eater. Okay. Um, and woke then up in the desert next to Woke up in the desert with a parrot that could talk and he could understand it. Yeah. And he's wondering, did I turn someone into a parrot? Or did I make a parrot talk and give it intelligence? Or is this an existing magical creature? Also, why is there a toilet here and why is there a branch coming out of it? Hmm. Uh, okay. So, I'm, I'm sort of picturing this as a, obviously, a sort of very surrealist kind of game. Almost a- So, what I'm picturing, interestingly, is a retro 2D- do you remember those games that was, like, very basic 3D where you'd be able to, like, turn in four directions? Kind of like an Ultima Underworld-ish sort of thing. Um, or, like, oh, the original, I think, Wasteland maybe had that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, sort of. Well, you kind of have half the screen showing of you and then, like, the full bottom half of the screen was all your, like, verbs and controls and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm sort of picturing that sort of dialogue-based adventure game like that where it's, like, you turn- in different directions and can move forward back and yep. you, you just see the scene from that particular yeah. tile almost. Almost. Um, did you ever play, surprisingly, from a Sierra game, uh, Betrayal at, Cr- at Crondor, I think it was called. And it had yes, that same- I think that was similar. Yeah. I didn't play it, but yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I didn't think- Didn't we do- I think we did Manhunter. That was similar too, wasn't it? No, no, no. Did have the, some of that stuff? Sort of. It was a little bit different. Um, that was but, a bit different because it was like yeah, I, scene to scene. It wasn't moving around in the same way. But. Yeah. I, I sort of get that get that idea of you got these beautifully rendered scenes, but you can't physically move through them. It's just each time that you go to a new scene, it's like- it's just yeah, it just changes your perspective, too. a different- Yes, a different different image of that Yeah, yeah. From, a, from a different scene. Yeah. I'm just exactly. imagining this perfect 3D world that someone's actually crafted- but there are specific points along along the way, and you know what? I can see this in well, VR. Well, that's a bit missed. That's kind of missed base then too. I can see this in VR, in the fact that you've got your your camera points that you can sort of teleport to, and be able to do the things in that in that sort of area. But I mean, yeah, that's very similar to a VR sort of thing. Yeah, I guess it's what aesthetic we're going for. Yeah, but 
Yeah, that's fine. Like, uh, that was just the picture that came into my mind for some reason of this bare desert. There's a fucking toilet with a branch and a parrot and you can talk to the parrot, but you can, like, rotate in the cardinal directions and move in the cardinal directions and yep. go off into the desert, turn around, see the- see that fucking toilet as a landmark in the distance. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, does the parrot come along with? Or does the parrot uh, only come along get if to you somewhere- find- if you find some, like, crackers to coax it along. <laughs> that could be a really annoying but interesting game mechanic. Sure. Uh, well, I like that as a puzzle, actually. Because- So, here's the thing. I would have hated this fucking game as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, yes, this is what we're making is one of these annoying 90s games. To so keep with our fucking aesthetic of this episode in general. Uh-huh. Uh, where, where one of the puzzles is you find some crackers and you're like, oh, I can use these- to find my way through this desert to leave a trail. But the fucking parrot starts eating them and following you. Like, that's the, that's the first time the parrot follows you, but also it's just ruined your way of, of yeah. leaving a trail. Because a big part of this game comes around to navigating through this desert. Because basically, once you get, like, five squares away from the, like, that toilet and the, and the tree, you can't see it anymore. It's just desert in all directions. It's desert in all directions and, you know, you then get it. You then get a little thing on the screen saying- your throat is rather dry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just comes up with the text thing. And if you stay away from the toilet, which has some water in it, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, it's just like some splashes of water in the to- in the system. Then, yeah, you, you just fall dead. Yeah. And it's that typical Sierra thing of it tells you and then two screens later you die. <laughs> yeah. Like, not but long it- enough for you to actually get back. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Sierra often taught you the game mechanics of a game by killing you, making you load, and it's like, now you know. Now you have the meta-knowledge. There's no way in character that you know, (laughs) but now you as the player have the meta-knowledge that if you go five screens away from here, you cannot make it back without dying. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that you can only go so far. Well, until you find, like, a way to I mean, I'm, bring I'm, some water with you or something. I'm, I'm getting very King's Quest V vibes from this. Um, mm. I'm imagining Will Smith as the parrot going, Watch out, a poisonous snake. <laughs> 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 so, I think eventually, like, you solve some puzzles, you get away from this toilet, you find, I don't know, a magical city or something. I don't know. What, what's the rest of the game? Well, it, it's, it's only when you get- I'm imagining it's when you get about seven screens away and the Sierra thing in you is saying, I'm about to die. And then your character goes, oh, yeah, I'm a magician and just conjures a, um, <laughs> conjures a, you know, a glass of water right in front of it. Oh, yeah. That's that. Yeah. Again, that's the puzzle. It's a fucking text parser game. And there's no clue that you have to type the exact phrase conjure glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a typo in the in the um in the in words the in the dictionary file. So Yeah. It doesn't so conjure doesn't have word. an E in the end. <laughs> C-O-N-G-U-R. Conjure. That, isn't that like the classic Sierra thing Sierra would do? Like you can't say like use magic, you can't say like create or whatever. You have to use the word conjure. Like specifically, <laughs> it's the only word that works. Yes, that is the typical Larry Two end of the End of the game paradox in the fact that they were trying to get the the game to actually recognize proper English and accidentally left it in there so that you have to use proper English. Put the 
lighter <laughs> in the bag. <laughs> right. Yeah, in uh, that case, it's not a bug. Uh, it's not a bug, though. It's intentional. <laughs> 100% intentional. Oh, a text parser in a VR game. That'd be interesting. <laughs> have to use the on-screen keyboard to type in what you want to use. <laughs> I like that. Actually, that's cool. And But it creates it like creates the words physically or something, and then eventually you have like physics puzzles where you have to create a stack of letters or something. <laughs> oh, I'm imagining that you can actually install like an upgrade for it that you can swipe. Basically, you've got your phone in front of you and you can type using your one finger- or you can actually do, like, the, the Google swipe thing. Right. To actually type. So- I, like the idea of a, I like the idea of a VR game where your phone is your text parser. That's cool. All right, that's another game. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, I think we'll leave you there back in the 90s. Have fun. Sorry we dropped you off in our time machine. Uh, but, hey, now you don't have to think about all the shit that's going on in 2020. <laughs> um so if you want to find us online as long as like there hasn't been a global catastrophe that's brought the internet down by the time you hear this uh, you can go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm where you can find all of our previous episodes and our creator profiles for other episodes we've been on tons of stuff so check that out we are also part of the 8-bit collective and this is a group of podcasts and podcasters who, you know, we're all buddies. We like each other. But also there's a, just a ton of great podcasts around pop culture and video games and role-playing and sports and lots of stuff. Uh, so go and check that out at 8bit.net. And if you are listening to this in 2020, make sure that you do check out the patreon.com slash weare8bit because until the end of July... They will be donating all proceeds to Black Lives Matter. Yes, indeed. So that is absolutely fantastic. We are so proud to be part of part of the group. We'd also like you to check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. They're a network of of like minded individuals who all just want to help each other out and talk about gaming and podcasts. So check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or at AGP Network on Twitter. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Pitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Hello. You connect. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Mama. <laughs> I'm on the internet. Hang up. <laughs> 